church. Um, a lot of times it, it seems that long week, we're exhausted. I know many are struggling with a lot of heavy things. We kind of drag ourselves a Sunday. We're like, oh, we made it. We made it. Let me, let me remind you, Sunday is, is not the culmination of this past week. You, you can't do anything about this past week. Yesterday is yesterday. Yesterday is gone. Realize what Sunday is? Heart abandoned. We stand in awe of the one. Sunday is what? The day that we celebrate the resurrection in anticipation of of the week to come. This is, it's, the last week is gone. It's all about this coming week, tomorrow. How are you going to do? I read this past week, A.W. Tozer, I love Tozer, he's deep, he, he twists my mind up once in a while, but he says this, if you will not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him one day a week. Isn't that something? Isn't that, isn't that, I, I had a, we had a phenomenal week this past week. Um, interesting that I'm speaking on the subject of patience. My in-laws have been here all week. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, and their little dog. Um, it, the dog that does not have a soul, I remind you. Uh, my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. The entire week in one house, and I'm preaching on the subject of patience. They'd express repeatedly, oh no, I don't know what illustrations that he's got. I have no illustrations at all. They are the perfect family. <laughs> Am I scoring points with this family or what? They'll be here in a second service. Make sure you let them know that. All right? I have the greatest in-laws in the entire world. We are preaching this morning. I'm speaking this morning on this subject some of you I know were reluctant to even come today because it is on the subject of patience. Not entirely what you think of, to tell you the truth, just to prepare you. Um, before we get into this, let's bow our heads, ask for God's uh, anointing on this time that he would be glorified with every portion of, of, our, of our learning this morning. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that in your grace, you have sustained us for one more day. We thank you, Lord, that you reign over all, that you are sovereign. I thank you, Lord, for your word that you have given to us that is perfect, provides the ultimate foundation for life with how we do this. Father, I thank you that you're, you're here today. The presence of your spirit is with us guiding us, waking us up, changing hearts so we can be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Father, there's much to be, much to be accomplished. We thank you, Lord, for what you have called us to do to build relationships in this community and allow the gospel to permeate hearts and homes that, that are changed for your glory. God, we ask that we be faithful in doing that. You give us the ability to do that. Now, Lord, as we give attention to your word, I would ask that you would guard and, and guide my, my lips and my words. Father, I thank you so much for every single person that's here, regardless of how difficult or past couple days individuals perhaps have gone through, that right now they can hear from you, that they can be encouraged by your presence and by the teaching of your word. We ask that you be glorified now in our time. We ask this in Christ's name. 
Amen. I want to make sure as we look into this, we always keep the big picture in mind. Okay, we're in a book study, in the book of Galatians. Galatians are a group of churches that have been led astray. They're actually beginning to buy false teaching, faulty doctrine. Many are succumbing to this behavior, to this belief. And so what does Paul do? He comes and he writes specific truth. He speaks on the transforming gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of of God's grace, and the power that the Holy Spirit has to, to literally change lives. Regardless of the fact that just like the Galatians, you and I struggle with this war within, between the spirit and the flesh, there is always hope. There is always hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we've paused with a series within a series. I've called it the nine in regards to the nine fruits of the spirit. And perhaps you were here when I reminded you in the introduction that these divide these nine actually divide into three groups, or three, we call them clusters. I think that's more organic. We look first and foremost at love, joy, and peace. They all deal with our relationship with God. They literally draw our attention to Him, and God gives us the abilities. They direct our attention upward. The second cluster we'll introduce today, patience, kindness, and goodness, all deal with our relationship with other people. They direct our attention outward. And then our final cluster, we'll look at faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all deal with our relationship with ourselves. It directs our attention inward. And so today, as we, we introduce this second cluster, primarily that it has to do with our outward relationships, these fruits reveal the relationships that we have with one another, and it is evident through our actions, the way that we act with and toward one another. So today we settle on this fourth fruit of the Spirit. You can quickly understand when we look at this subject, why if I could just jump over one, if I could uh, skip one, if I could leave one. I actually thought about just calling the series the eight and then hope that no one would actually count them and notice that we missed one. But the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me do that. It says that you don't add or detract from God's Word. So here it is, Galatians chapter 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit, evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is patience. Indication of whether or not the Holy Spirit is in control of your life is evidenced by this fruit, is made known to others by this fruit, is manifested to others by this fruit. Please understand, as we introduce this subject, it's not just about learning to be patient while we're all standing in a line. I hate lines. Okay, I'm not just talking about when we're in a line at the bank and, and the person ahead of us is counting change, we start to jingle our, chi, our, our keys, we shuffle our feet, we roll our eyes. Okay, We're giving every single nonverbal We don't want to be here, and we don't like what's happening in front of us. I'm not just talking about that kind of patience. It's actually more to it when we examine this word. In Greek, the word is makrothumia. It's it's translated, some of you I know have in front of you right now, it doesn't say the word patience. It says the word long-suffering. Well, that sounds pleasant, does it? Patience sounds better than long-suffering. It refers to the ability. This is what it means. Having patience, the ability to endure injuries, already I don't like it, 
to endure injuries inflicted by others and the willingness to accept irritating and or painful situations. Oh, my. Inherent in this word is the thought of enduring affliction without any anger. It has to do with the idea of enduring affliction without any thoughts of retaliation or revenge. In Hebrew, the word is translated a rock. It, it is translated several times slow to anger. In short, my personal definition, you can hold on to the word patience or long-suffering. It is the ability that God gives to us to suffer long. Now you know why I wanted to skip this particular fruit. Why? Because in our flesh, everything screams what? I don't want to suffer. That's our normal, natural response. I personally, I don't want to have to just endure through life. I do not want to accept injury or insult. I do not like pain or peril, discomfort or distress, especially when it comes from the hand of other people. I just don't want it. Why? Because our normal and natural response is the complete opposite, is the complete opposite. I love this story. I've told you before. I'll tell you again. True story of, uh, of a truck driver who is way out in the middle of nowhere in Broken Bow, Nebraska, stops into one of those all-night diners for something to eat. Just exhausted, tired. He sits down. He orders a burger and some fries and a Coke. Just as the food comes, three big, tough, leather-bound, leather-clad, jacketed bikers come in. You know those type, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. They come in and they just start harassing this guy. One of the guys just takes his burger, takes a bite right out of it, puts it back on the plate. Somebody else takes a, a ketchup and just kind of squirts it over everything. Somebody else grabs his Coke and, and, and just chugs it down. The response was what? Literally, literally, this is exactly what the man did. He got up very quietly, walked over to the waitress, paid his bill, tipped her. Walked out, got into his truck, and drove away. And we just watched him do that. And, and, and as soon as he drove out, those three guys, those three guys said, man, that's not much of a man, is he? And she said, I know one thing. He's not much of a truck driver because he just backed over three bikes in the driveway out there. <laughs> that, that's, that's what, that's the way. Give me, a, give me a truck and let me just drive over. Let me just back over the bully. Remember, this entire chapter speaks about what? It speaks about the Holy Spirit being in control of our lives. Therefore, it is not about what my flesh wants. It has nothing to do with what you want. It has everything to do with what the Holy Spirit wants. When He controls us, Lord, I am yours, He literally transforms us. So please understand, this is not, okay, whoever would like to have patience, please just form a line over there, take the pink, take two pink patient pills and call me in the morning. Okay, it does not work like that. It does not work like that. Well, how, how does it work? When the seeds of the word of God fall on what? The fertile soil 
of mankind's hearts, of one's hearts. The truth of the gospel is heard, it is understood, and it is accepted. When one literally surrenders and submits their whole life to the authority of God's words and the authority of the Holy Spirit, that is when he takes up residence. And what? That seed, that tiny little seed, turns into to buds that blossom into the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. Let me, let me remind you, this is so important. God has a perfect plan for patience. First one, here it is. God the Father deals patiently with us. You can write that down, you can remember that. God the Father deals patiently with us. I have taught and I will continue to teach. I will emphasize the truth of God's word that says God is sovereign. And that word sovereign is the word reign. God reigns and he rules with a perfect plan in perfect precision. Which means what? There is not a star in the sky that he does not know, that he has not named. There is not a speck of sand anywhere on the entire earth. There is not a snowflake that falls there is not what a heart that beats. There is not a breath that is breathed that God is not aware of. God sees all and God has planned all. First John chapter 3 and verse 20 says, God knows all things. Remember that. You wake up tomorrow and you're just like, I don't know, I can't handle another week. I got school starting and I got kids crazy and I got pressures. God knows all things. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, His understanding is infinite. It cannot be measured. I love this. Psalm 115 verse 3. Listen carefully. Our God is in the heavens and He does all that He pleases. Wow. God does everything. That he pleases. Now the question, the question of the ages. If God does all that he pleases, why? Why the evil that exists in this world? Why? If God does all that he pleases, why the atrocities and the brutalities and the violence? Why the bloodshed that exists in this world? Why sickness? Why diseases? Why earthquakes and famines and floods? Why epidemics? Why is it we can't build jails fast enough in our society? Why is it that drug dealers exist and crack babies are born? Why is it we live in a society of pedophiles? Pornography continues to promote itself. That there are prejudices that exist. Why is it that children are hurt and people are objectified? Why is it we have something in our world that's that's cyber-stalking where adults are luring children in to hurt them and harm them? Is that not the very worst why is it if terrorist organizations that teach and train a child to have bombs strapped to themselves and walk into a crowded cafe and then detonate? Is that not the very essence of evil? Why are there kidnappings in this world and why are there public executions? Why? I've heard repeatedly just this week, the whole world is going crazy. No, no. 
The world is crazy. The world has been broken. And many people today in central Pennsylvania are so comfortable and complacent with, with, with what our lives are like, we're not aware of half of the sorrow, the injustice, the brokenness, and how fallen this world is from our Creator. Just that your eyes are being made aware of that. But what? Our hope is in the gospel. Our hope is in a gospel that changes, that transforms lives. Do you realize this in the midst of all of the chaos that exists in this world? That God in his sovereign grace is patient with us, is long-suffering with us, that every single day there are souls that are being added to the kingdom of God, and God patiently waits for us. God suffers long. We understand what God is patient, and God is willing to offer forgiveness in the midst of all this. You know what I'm reminded of? You know who I'm reminded of? Turn with me to First Timothy. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul. He shares bits and pieces of his testimony with young Pastor Timothy in First Timothy chapter 1. And he speaks about the days of, of his past. When he was not Paul the Apostle, he was Saul, the persecutor, the hater where he lived with one objective, and that was to hurt Christ as much as he could and to hurt others who follow Christ, to cause as much discord and disunity and destruction around the church of Jesus Christ. He literally lived with a single purpose of persecuting and destroying Christians, literally dragging them out of their home to be beaten stoned. Paul was a terrorist. He truly what? Endured injury. His intent, okay, to do to Christians was to, 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 to inflict injury upon other people. What is God's response with Paul? Paul the terrorist. God was patient with him. God was long-suffering with him. First Timothy chapter 1. Look at these verses. I want you to see in verse 15. Paul's writing his own testimony. He says, the saying is trustworthy. You can, you can go to the bank with this. And deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him. For eternal life. Paul received mercy and grace that he did not deserve. Why? Because God is and deals patiently with us. Is Paul thankful for, for God's long suffering? You better believe it. I think of other examples throughout Scripture. David the psalmist most certainly understood and could verify that, that God is long-suffering. Psalm 86, verse 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious. You are slow to anger. There's that word, a rock. You're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It declares in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 18, The Lord is slow to anger 
abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. People understand and know this. Please know that God the Father is patiently and perfectly unfurling his sovereign plan to redeem mankind. But he is a just and a holy God. And there is consequence. And there is what? There is a need for sin to be dealt with. There's a need for what? A holy God to be reconciled with sinful men. And it brings us to our second point. God the Son demonstrated patience for us. God the Son demonstrated patience for us. If one today so dare call themselves a Christian, if you raise your hand in the crowd and say, yes, I am one of them, then you ought to be striving every day to live and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person indicates that they have made a decision, I I want to follow Christ. One of the first things I do with them, I'll sit with them, I'll meet with them, I'll pray with them, or elders will, or others will within the body. I send them to the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I oftentimes say, just start in the book of John. I want you to read. I want you to familiarize yourself. I want you to understand ministry, God's ministry, while here on this earth. And what happens? We just, we just track all the way through the Gospels and we learn about the announcing of his birth and the miracle of his conception, the birth from a young virgin woman. It speaks of his humility coming as a babe, completely vulnerable, completely helpless. You moms know all about how helpless and how desperately needy a little baby is. Read the gospel. Spend time and learn about when he grew as a boy, he ministered in the temple. He displayed knowledge and he grew in wisdom. Spend time in the gospels and learn how he grew to be a man and how he called his disciples to him and how he preached the Sermon on the Mount. And I encourage people, listen very clearly to what Jesus Christ taught. Watch very closely how Jesus Christ cared for others more than he cared for himself. Learn. Learn how Jesus listened to others. That's how we're supposed to listen to others. Learn to see how he saw. He literally saw people's hurts. You and I walk by them. Jesus saw their hurts. Watch and follow his ministry. How he prayed with people. How he healed people. How he spoke truth to people. Watch how he perfectly surrendered and submitted to his heavenly Father's will. Spend time in the Gospels. Spend time at the Sea of Galilee and the Garden of Gethsemane and on Golgotha and read and learn and listen how Jesus was railed upon, physically wrecked and ridiculed, torn apart by Roman soldiers, yet Jesus Christ led by example and he models for us what long-suffering really looks like and what it means. Mark chapter 15, the gospel of Mark in chapter 15 and verse 3, at the trial, Jesus Christ, an absolute mockery of a trial. Jesus Christ is being accused of many things. How does he demonstrate patience? I love this. He answered nothing. You and I, excuse me, I got something to say. I didn't do that. No, no, no. There's patience that is demonstrated here. I have a time in Luke chapter 22 after Peter, one closest to him, blatantly and vehemently just denies him. 
turns his back on him. What does it say? It says that the Lord saw him as, as the Lord was being led away. He turned and he looked at Peter. Tell you what, boy, you don't walk away from me. That's what I'm going to say. Don't turn your back on me. And he looked at him. We don't behave like that. Literally, as Jesus Christ was being accused, soldiers treating him with contempt and mockery, whipping him, arraying him in a a robe and, and mocking him, spitting in his face, crucifying him literally as nails pierced his flesh on the cross. Jesus pinned to the cross, looked down at them and says what? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Oh my, that's that's exactly how you and I would react, right? Get me a truck and let me back over the bad guys. You see how far, you see how foreign this is? Why, why, why did Jesus do this? What, why did Jesus patiently suffer and endure the cross? Because he understood what? Sin brings death. Something had to die. Jesus understood someone has to bear the, the wrath. Of his own holy heavenly father. And Jesus Christ patiently and willingly suffered long. You call yourself a Christian. Do you behave like Christ? Do you behave like Christ? We see first God the father deals patiently with us. Secondly God the son demonstrated patience for us. Thirdly and finally, God the Holy Spirit desires patience to be seen through us. That's what the Holy Spirit desires. The Holy Spirit desires for patience to be seen through us. You know it's coming. How are you doing in this area? What I found is that we immediately ask the question, as the pastor asks, are you displaying the fruit of patience? And in our quietness, perhaps, we're like, well, I probably could be doing a little bit better in this area. Okay, that's not what your homework description is going to be this week. Okay, dads, I want you to start. You're the leaders, the priests of your home. Moms, I want you to model this. Husbands and wives, I want you to talk to one another. I want you to ask one another. Don't, don't, don't just respond in your own heart quietly and then slip out. That's not going to cut it. Ask one another consciously sit down and pour a cup of coffee and be ready to dialogue dialogue on this in what areas ask one another honey i love you in what areas do you feel that i need to trust the holy spirit for more patience in my life that's what i want to ask that's what i want you to ask the holy spirit desires this we need the mirror of what God's word, ultimately the truth. But I tell you what, we are not called to go it alone. 
We, we have been given a clear vision that we have got to what, build relationships, take the transforming gospel and, and allow it to be seen and lived out in the lives of other people. I tell you what, the transforming gospel is not going to do anything in the lives of other people until it begins to do something first and foremost and transforms your own life. This is where we get real with one another. God the Holy Spirit desires patience to be seen through us. You know what that word desires means? He longs for it. God himself longs for God who is all-knowing and all-powerful longs. And, And we oftentimes, we oftentimes, as we ask the question... Am I being nasty or am I being selfish? If we choose to to allow anger to build in our lives, if we allow our flesh to be in control, automatically point to other people. Yeah, well, that person did that to me, or they said that, or I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a fair shake from my mom and dad, or it was my neighbors who threw rocks at. Whatever it is, okay. I tell you what, it's not other people's problem. You're the problem. You're the one who thwarts the work of the Holy Spirit from completely working. By choosing to do what you want to do as opposed to what the Holy Spirit desires to be done in your life. I left this quote with you. I'll leave it in closing. I'm reading The Holy Spirit by Billy Graham. It's actually an older book. It's been around for a while. Listen to this. Patience is the transcendent radiance of a loving and a tender heart which in its dealings with those around it looks kindly and graciously upon them. Patience is the transcendent radiance of a loving heart. Well, I tell you what, this is not a loving heart naturally in my flesh, so you know it's not me, it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit that we're reflecting His light of. So I hope we understand that this is more than jingling keys and rolling our eyes. I need to be more patient. No, no it's bigger than that. It's a lot bigger than that. It's being willing to suffer long, to endure, not to get angry. Allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control. Allow the truth of this gospel, the seeds of this word, to produce this amazing fruit in our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for your presence here. And God, I would ask that as people talk to any one of us, people from this community look at us, if they know us, they would see us not as a judgmental and a critical and a cutting body towards others, not as people who mock sin, laugh at sin, not as people who condone sin, but people who are willing to be real, to endure an affliction because we are following you. Father, help us not to be angry toward others. Help us to understand the responsibility that we have, just like the Lord Jesus Christ It's like you forgave us. We forgive others. But we're in such desperate need of your help. And we plea right now that your power would come upon us so that we can display this fruit so the gospel goes forward in this community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand with us, please, as we close in the song.